Happy holidays, everyone. Changing up today's podcast music to spread a little Yuletide cheer. The holidays are fast approaching, and before we all head out for the holidays, there's some important news to cover. In this podcast episode, we're going to share some of the key insights from last week's American Society of Hematology annual meeting, which took place in New Orleans. There was enormous excitement for novel therapies in the heme malignancies for diseases that previously had such high morbidity and mortality with such short patient life expectancies. And now, because of many of these novel treatment modalities in the field of hematology, like the T-cell engagers and cell therapies, the CAR-Ts, unbelievable the significant improvements in outcomes and survival that we're seeing. The, The new clinical data and results have really been remarkable. So there's a lot to cover, and I'll be starting with a brief look at new data and advances within the marketed cell therapies, the CAR-Ts, and T-cell engager products for the hematologic malignancies. And then I'll transition to cover the novel pipeline products that our team found notable during the conference. Now, this recap is not meant to be comprehensive or exhaustive. We'll just be covering the highlights here today. So if you'd like more information or details, insights about any of the new data presented during the ASH conference, please contact me directly at chris at bblsconsulting.com. So let's get started with multiple myeloma. There's a lot of new data presented for the treatment of patients with relapsed and refractory multiple myeloma. Some of the highlights include a new analysis supporting SILTA cell or CARVICTI, which showed minimal residual disease negativity from the phase 1-2 CARTITUDE 1 study, and then updated results from the CARTITUDE 2 study which is a phase two that evaluated Carvicti in patients who relapsed from early in the, in the disease continuum from, from their frontline therapy and also patients previously treated with an anti-BCMA agent. We also saw the first presentations of clinical data from the CARMA-2 trial. That was a phase two study evaluating a BECMA in high-risk multiple myeloma. And we also saw an oral presentation that reported safety and efficacy data from the Majestic 2 study of teclistamab, brand name Ticvaly. It's a bispecific B-cell maturation agent or anti-BCMA-directed CD3 T-cell engager, and that was evaluated in combination with, with daratumumab and lenonolamide in pretreated multiple myeloma. Now, you might recall that Ticvaly was recently approved in relapsed refractory multiple myeloma in late October of this year. And finally, there was the first disclosure of the Momental 1 study results for the novel GPRC5D chimeric antigen receptor cell therapy, telquetamab, in patients with relapsed refractory multiple myeloma, including patients who were previously treated with the anti-BCMA-directed CAR-T cell therapy. Now, telquetamab is a GPRC5D CD3 bispecific antibody that is being studied in relapsed refractory multiple myeloma. Now, during the conference, this class of agents showed great promise, and there was a lot of excitement for the GPRC5D um, agents in development, as and 
it's ho- there's a lot of hope for extending clinical outcomes in multiple myeloma um, in the, in this tumor type. BMS also unveiled their CAR T cell therapy that's going after GPRC5D, and also released phase one data for its BCMA CD3 bispecific alnuctumab. The company's autologous CAR T cell therapy is called BMS 986393, and it targets GPRC5D which is highly expressed on multiple myeloma cells. But J&J's Janssen unit has, has that competitive treatment I mentioned earlier called talquetamab, and I'll get, I'll get to more on, on that in a moment. So BMS's first-in-human data with the GPR-C5D, together with biospecifics, validates the target for CAR-T, and both approaches work well in the post-BCMA setting. The GPRC5D target is overexpressed on myeloma cells. The question is, will the GPDRC5D and CAR-T combination outperform other BCMA bispecifics? It might be that patients will only need two CAR-T treatments based on this data from ASH. BMS also shared sub-Q data and is looking to once-monthly administration uh, for their agent as well. The open-label early-stage studies show that 17 out of 19 patients responded to the CAR-T cell therapy at a median follow-up of about six months, and nine of those patients had a complete response, and seven had previously received BCMA-directed CAR-T cell therapy, and two had BCMA-directed therapies. 15 of the 19 patients remained in follow-up, and there were no grade three or four neurotoxicity events reported, and and, and so that, um, although although there was mostly low-grade CRS or cytokine release syndrome, which, which is common with the CAR-Ts. But Janssen is the leader in the GPR-C5D pack, and they presented their own Phase two results for the first time during the conference and just days after submitting a BLA to the FDA, hoping to get another regulatory approval of myeloma just months, just months after, after their Tecveli approval back in, uh, back in October. A day after submitting their application to the FDA for talquetamab for treatment of relapsed refractory myeloma, Janssen presented the data during the ASH conference. The company hopes the phase two data released at ASH will take will back up an accelerated approval for talquetamab. Now, the agent is a bispecific antibody therapy and binds to both T cells and multiple myeloma cells. Investigators use the metaphor that talquetamab is like bringing your army right to the enemy. The bispecific antibody redirects T cells to mediate killing of GPRC5D expressing myeloma cells. The target, G protein coupled receptor, family C group D, member D, it's a mouthful for sure. It's an orphan receptor expressed in malignant plasma cells. And this is different from the receptor used by other approved therapies like Carvicti and Brianzi, with both, which, um, which both target BCMA. Janssen's been studying the drug in two main dosing groups. Some patients received a sub-Q injection every two weeks, while others received a once-weekly dose. Of the 145 patients on sub-Q every other week dosing, nearly three out of four responded to therapy, including one-third of patients who achieved a complete response or better. Median follow-up was about nine months, 
with the median PFS not yet being reached. Now, the results from the weekly dosing group was similar with an overall response rate also of about 74%, and again, about one-third of the patients achieving a complete response. Median follow-up in the weekly dosing group was about 15 months with a median PFS of seven and a half months. These overall response rate data are better than what Janssen reported back early in the summer when the number of evaluable patients was much lower. So the new ASH data really probably build up J&J's confidence to move forward with regulators to extend its leadership in the multiple myeloma treatment landscape even further after Tecveli and Legend partnered Carvicti approvals. The goal for the companies now, I believe, and for healthcare providers is to learn how to sequence and combine these agents to guide future treatment strategies. So we're seeing companies taking very different approaches here in the myeloma space. We're seeing that BMS is targeting the GPCR5D via a, a CAR T-cell therapy approach, while other competitors are taking a bispecific approach. Clearly, there is an un, there's an important role for a one-time therapy that may benefit a, a large number of patients, but there's also likely a role in place for bispecific antibodies, and this provides patients with different opportunities, and we'll see, we'll see how combination therapies evolve uh, over time. BMS will likely look at a multimodality approach to the future of its GPRC5D targeting cell therapy, studying it in combinations with its oral cell mod agents, mesigdomide and iberdomide, and as a dual CAR-T targeting both BCMA and other novel tumor-associated antigens. That's, it's important to note that how will these cell therapies evolve, you know, and that BMS also markets Brianzi and Abecma. Let's turn to the early pipeline assets that were just presented during ASH. The first disclosure of preliminary results from the dose escalation and expansion components of the phase 1CC93269 study evaluating sub-Q bispecific T-cell engager alnuctumab in heavily treated multiple myeloma patients was presented. BMS had previously tested alnuctumab in an IV formulation, but they experienced safety concerns around CRS, and that really forced the company to go with the sub-Q route of administration. The data presented at the conference show a better safety profile and likely gives the company confidence to move forward in developing the asset as a sub-Q delivered uh, modality. We also saw the first results from dose expansion cohorts of the CC92480 phase 1-2 study evaluating cell mod mesigdomide and dexamethasone in patients relapsed refractory multiple myeloma and also saw results from the post-BCMA cohort of the CC220 phase 1-2 study evaluating cell mod iberdamide with dexamethasone in patients with relapsed refractory multiple myeloma that was previously treated with an anti-BCMA-directed therapy. So it's interesting, these potent cell mods will are likely to be displacing chemotherapies and even bone marrow transplant in some tumor types, and this is really remarkable. 
Some may move into earlier lines of maintenance therapies, displacing even the gold standard lenalidomide maintenance therapy, for example. So from the conference, we continue to see deep responses in multiple myeloma patients that are, have been very heavily pretreated, very refractory. So it'll be interesting to see how these agents move into earlier lines of therapy to improve efficacy outcomes for patients. So now let's turn to the lymphomas. And the conference highlights included updated data, including longer-term follow-up from the primary analysis of the phase three transform study evaluating lysocell or Brianzi versus the standard of care as second-line treatment in relapse or refractory large B-cell lymphoma. We also saw updated data from the primary analysis of the outreach study that evaluated Brianzi as a third-line plus treatment in relapse or refractory large B-cell lymphoma in the community setting. Now, Regeneron also reported the first interim results from the ELM-2 uh, clinical trial of its bispecific antibody odronextamab in, in follicular lymphoma. The ELM-2 study tested an IV version of the antibody that binds CD20, which is the same receptor protein targeted by rituxan, on malignant B cells and CD3 on T cells to enhance the T cell fighting capabilities. The investigators said 82% of the 120 patients with the disease responded to odronextamab and that almost three out of four had a complete response as of the September 15th data cutoff. The median duration of response was 20 and a half months with a median PFS of 20.2 months. Now, Regeneron started testing a sub-Q version earlier this year and will investigate the bispecific and multiple additional studies in the near future. The company really needs an entry point into the, into the field with their CD20, CD3 bispecific as it approaches a regulatory filing next year for accelerated approval. GenMab and AbbVie's bispecific is already under review at FDA, and the agency is going to decide whether to approve the bispecific by summer of 2023 for large B-cell lymphoma. Another area of interest and excitement during the ASH conference were the novel BTK inhibitors and degraders. There were several, several um, practice-changing abstracts in mantle cell lymphoma, for example, where autologous BMT plus chemo now show that BTK inhibitors do just as well as bone marrow transplant alone. Drug therapy is becoming so effective that we don't or maybe won't need to do as many bone marrow transplants in the future for many tumor types like CML, CLL, and, and possibly myeloma in the future. ABV and J&J's blockbuster Imbruvica is currently the standard of care in this setting. But Bygene released more data from its phase three alpine trial during the final days of ASH, showing that Brukinza, or Zanubrutinib, beat Imbruvica head-to-head on PFS and safety in patients with reflapse refractory CLL or SLL, also known as small lymphocytic lymphoma. For patients receiving Zanubrutinib, about 80% were pro progression-free after 24 months follow-up, and that's compared to Imbruvica, which only reported 67% of patients being progression-free at two years. This makes Brukinza the first next-generation BTK inhibitor that shows superiority over Imbrutinib. Nurix is the company, and they're, 
they presented data at the conference. They're a newcomer to the field, but presented data for the first BTK degrader molecule as well. And there's a lot of excitement about that product, um, you know, in, in the BTK inhibitor space. Loxo Oncology, a, subsidi a subsidiary of Eli Lilly now, they pre also presented data in multiple subsets of patients on pertobrutinib. It's their non-covalent BTK inhibitor in a field that's stacked with competition, stacked with competitors. Loxo shared data on rare patient subsets not included in the expected accelerated approval decision next year for pertobrutinib for pretreated mantle cell lymphoma. The results come from a July 29 data cutoff of the phase 1-2 Bruin study, which included more than 770 patients. In a subset of patients with Waldenstrom macroglobulinemia, a rare blood cell cancer found in a few percent of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma patients, Loxo evaluated its daily administered targeted therapy in patients who had previously received a covalent BTK inhibitor, as well as in patients who were naive to BTK inhibitors. Now, because non-covalent BTK inhibitors work differently, they, they can overcome resistance to the covalent drugs that can cause patients' tumors to progress. For patients previously on BTK inhibitors, Loxo reported a major response rate of 67%. Median PFS was 19.4 months, investigators said at the conference. The new data sets the stage for what Loxo and Lilly hopes will be market entry into a competitive market with multiple approved BTK inhibitors from AbbVie, Johnson & Johnson, Bygene, and AstraZeneca. We also saw some data about IL-18 as a target. There's been interesting data showing that CAR T-cells engineered to express IL-18 had impressive 100% overall response rates in subsets of patients that have failed prior marketed CAR T therapies. This is an area of growing unmet need, and this data may generate more interest in IL-18-driven therapeutics going forward. So I'm going to wrap up the summary today with quick discussion on manufacturing capacity because we've known now for years that one of the biggest problems cell therapy manufacturers are addressing is lack of manufacturing capacity. Well, data presented at ASH by Novartis and Graycell suggested that manufacturing time can be cut dramatic, dramatically from a few weeks to days. But investigators disclose that patients still have to wait weeks or months before they receive therapy. Data presented at ASH showed that vein-to-vein -vein time, the time taken from apheresis to cell reinfusion, was similar to the industry standard two to six weeks for autologous CAR-T therapies. This was highlighted in trials of Novartis's YTB-323, an anti-CD19 CAR construct, and with gray cells GC012F, a bispecific CAR against BCMA and CD19. Now, they're manufactured using a very similar process of concurrent cell activation, transduction, and in vivo cell expansion, which Novartis and Graycell respectively call the T-charge and FAST CAR, respectively. 
The companies are trying to address a market need to provide more rapid manufacturing so that cells can be ready within a few days rather than the more common two to three weeks. However, these timelines do not capture the elapsed time required for the cells to be purified, frozen, and released by quality for shipment and reinfusion to the patient at an authorized treatment center. This is only part of the problem. Current capacity constraints mean that once a patient is identified as a suitable candidate for CAR-T therapy, it can take weeks before a slot can be scheduled for their cells to be manufactured. One investigator during the conference noted that some patients were kept waiting for so long that they had to be bridged with chemo. The cell therapy multidisciplinary care delivery model has several problems to tackle, and viral vector and capacity shortages are likely to be short-lived. I believe that once manufacturing ramps up to meet patient demand, then the key issue will be how do you get cell therapy to patients faster to improve access to these remarkable treatments? There were so many clinical studies with marketed and novel MOAs during ASH this year that it was really difficult to synthesize the entire meeting without omitting key data. So if you'd like more information or details about any of the products or data presented during the ASH conference, again, please contact me directly at chris at bblsconsulting.com to see how we can help you make sense of all the new data and their potential impact on the disease landscape and your product positioning and competitiveness. Happy holidays from our team here at Boulder Biotech Launch Specialists. We wish you and your family peace and light this holiday season.